good to see all of you. Good to be back. Uh, it's already been shared. Uh, we're closing out our series uh, today on free, and uh, I just want to start before we get started. I, I really appreciate all the prayers that have been lifted up for my health. It's been a crazy week. We don't know what's wrong, but we'll find out soon. But I'm doing much better, thanks to your prayers. And I just appreciate the concern. You know, that, that really is uh, encouraging, you know, but it's been a crazy week. But I'm free. So today we're closing out a, a series that we've been doing for the last four weeks. If this is your first time here, uh, you've missed most of the movie. But I don't want you to feel bad. We're going to try our best to catch you up. And if you want to, you can go back to our website and, uh, and watch or listen to. We have a, a podcast station you can watch or listen to. Uh, the first three uh, lessons that we did on this series, very, very helpful. Th- this, this series has helped me. I just got to say, you know, whenever we do a series, people are saying, yeah, it's really been helpful. Me too. Uh, th- this series has been very, very good for, for me and, and my walk with God and, 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 and my understanding what it means to be free and how to be free. Uh, and it's been life-changing for a lot of people. But if this is your first time, we're really, really glad you're here. want to welcome you. Uh, this church is all about helping people get connected with, with God. And uh, our mission as a church, just so you know, what's the end game? What do these people want from me anyway? You know, well, here it is. I'll go ahead and tell you straight up. Our mission as a church is to, to lead people into a growing relationship with God. That's what we want for you. That's our heart's desire. Uh, that's our mission as a church. When somebody walks through those doors, that's what we want to offer them, to give them, to help them connect with a relationship with God because relationship is everything. It, it, it's the basis. And, you know, Jesus did not come here on earth to start a new religion. That's not why he came. Jesus came to introduce a new relationship with God, to close the gap between us and God. And so that's why as a church, as you know, the church of Christ, that's our mission. That's what we want to see happen to people. And uh, he came, you know, to introduce a relationship that was vastly different from what we experience maybe growing up in our different religions or, or maybe the Jews' experience because their experience with God was that he was very far, far away. He was huge and he was, he was distant. And Jesus came to introduce something vastly different. When he taught us how to pray, he said, our Father. And see, we take that for granted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't understand. In the first century, when he said those words, they were radical. You mean I can call God? Father, no, I, should, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I can't talk to God that way. No, and Jesus said, yes, that's who he is. And that's the kind of relationship that he wants to have with you. And, you know, in the first century, this was something happened with the first century Christians. They drove uh, the Roman officials crazy. Literally, they drove them crazy. Why? Because they killed Jesus. Anytime you cut off the head of something, it should die. The body should die, right? But in the case of Jesus, they they cut off the head of the body of Christ. And what happened to that body? It kept on moving. It kept on walking. It kept on talking. It kept on changing. And it drove them crazy. We killed Jesus. How is it that his, his movement, his mission is not only continuing to walk and move, it's getting stronger. And you know the crazy thing is? The Christians in the first century, they said they, they told everybody they could come and talk with, Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And I'm, I'm a witness. Jesus is alive because he's in me. He's in my heart. He's in my life. And it was scary for the Roman officials. And they tried everything they could do to shut Christianity down, to, to wipe it out. They were killing Christians. They were imprisoning Christians. The Jews in Jerusalem tried the same thing. They cut off heads and the bodies kept walking and and the body of Christ kept on moving. And, you know, the Christians in the first century didn't just believe that that Jesus was resurrected and, 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 and he's over there and we're over here. No, they believed that he was in them and lived through them. And then when they would come together in their services, People would come to services and they would say, what's, what's going on with you guys? 
There's something different about you. There's a love about you. There's something about you where you're transmitting something through your lives. Compassion, concern, love. And see, this is what was going on in the first century with the Christians. And here's the crazy thing. The largest of that time, the largest, most powerful, most wealthy empire in the world. Christians took over that empire. They overthrew the Roman Empire and it became the religion of the state. Now, here's the problem. When anything becomes institutionalized or mixes with government, guess what happens? Not good. Jesus never intended that. See, because you can't institutionalize a relationship. You can't say, okay, all of you here today must have a relationship with God. No, it doesn't work that way. See, it's a choice. You can't mandate it. No matter how bad you want it for people, you can't force it. And so Christianity took a very dark turn about the year 280. And, uh, you know, what, what started out as a living, vibrant, relationship-focused, you know, uh, relationship with God, they, they turned it into, just like everything else, a religion. And as I said before, Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came to emphasize a relationship and, and to get us into a relationship. Now, here is religion, okay? Let me move my, my, my screen here. A, re, a religion basically has these characteristics. You ought to. You don't, because you should, you, you, but you don't. You're toast. Okay? You ought to, you don't, you're toast. All religions, you can sum it up. Not just Christianity, not Judaism, any religion. You ought to, you don't, none of us do, you're toast. That breaks it down. And, and this, this, Jesus knew this. God knows this about us. So he came to introduce something completely different for us. C.S. Lewis did this. He wrote this book called at the abolition of man. And, and, and he's a he was a genius of his time. And he went around and he studied all religions or most religions around the world. Here are the common rules or laws associated with religion. He kind of boiled it down. Here they are. Don't harm others. Don't lie. Don't have sex with another's wife. And care for the weaker. This, this was kind of a general common law between all religions. And the truth of the matter is, and this is what we've been looking at for weeks, is nobody does a good job of keeping rules. Nobody. You might do it for a time. You might have some sex success for a time. But guess what happens if you're focused on rule keeping? You fail. You fail. And so we've been looking at, you know, this, this whole topic of, you know, religion and, and freedom and how do I get free from the struggle of rule keeping and trying to do what God wants me to do and, and even do what I want to do. Because there's a, there's a law that we have in our conscience, our own moral law that you may have that maybe it's not Christian, but it's you and what you think is right. You don't even keep those rules. And you know this in your conscience. You break your own rules. And you find that struggle. And here's what happens. Our default when it comes to God is religion. Our default when it comes to God is religion. What do I mean by that? Okay, I'm here at church. Give me the rules and I'll do my best to keep them. That's religion in a nutshell. Give me the rules and I'll do my best to keep them. And do you? Do we? No, we don't. We, we mess it up. So today what we're going to talk about in part four of free, we're going to talk about the difference between following Jesus the way he intended it and then a religious approach. And there's a huge difference. And we're going to listen to Jesus himself as he described it. And we're going to listen to Paul as he described it. And Jesus came 
not Cam, but came to give his life not for you, but also to you. He came to give his life to you, not for you only, but to you. And, and, and the Apostle Paul, this is kind of who we've been learning from and listening to in the book of Romans, and we're going to look at Galatians today. But he understood this struggle really, really well because he came from a very religious background. And he shares with us how it was for him, this, this whole idea of religious law-keeping. And so we're going to learn from him, and this has kind of been our verse that we've looked at over the last three weeks And so he says this in verse 15 of Romans 7. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now, he's talking about a struggle here, and he's basically letting us know that the the law is good, but... There's a struggle going on. I can't keep it. I can't keep it. And here's what what religion is asking of me, and I can't get it done. I keep on failing. You know what the law is for us? It's like a mirror. And some of us, when we read our Bibles or even when we come to church, we feel like we're not making it, we're not doing it. And so today, Paul wants to introduce to us a new way of thinking. And for some of us, it's not new. We understood it, but maybe we've gotten off track. For some of of you, it may be completely new because all you've ever known is religion. And so here's what this struggle that he describes, Paul's talking about. I know what I ought to do. I don't do it. And I feel guilty all the time. This is so typical for religious people. I mean, no matter how much they, they go to church, no matter how much they, sh- mm, let, me, let, me, let me get my list out, let me obey, let me be good. I'm going to be a good Christian boy. But they don't do it, and they feel guilty all the time. And they're, they're, they're laden with guilt. And this is, this is what basically Paul is describing in Romans. And this was his life prior to understanding what Jesus was teaching. And he tells us and he shows us in the book of Romans how to be free from this struggle. And I believe there's many of us here today that we're living this life. And it's frustrating. And it's discouraging. And so we see, you know, what Paul's describing here. And, and, and the law, as I said before, it's like a mirror. It, 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 for Paul, it was a frustration that I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't keep it. And then he goes on in verse 24, and he sums it all up, this frustration that he had of his previous life, and guess what he says? What a wretched man I am. Now, this is the Apostle Paul describing his previous life. Now, he was a Pharisee. He was well-trained. He was at the top of his class as far as religiosity. But in his conscience, what did he say here? What a wretched man I am. Now, you sometimes may come to church or you may read your Bible and and you read something, you look at it and you go, what a wretched husband I am. You know, and you look at how you're supposed to be and how you're really being. You know, some of you women, you you may read your Bible and and, and you you may hear a class on on marriage and the role of the wife and what do you say? "What What a wretched wife I am. I go to classes as a, as a minister, and, and, and yeah, we get lessons, and we get taught what, what you need to be as a minister, and, and I can come away from those, those lessons and those classes and go, what a wretched minister I am. Or a parenting workshop. You go to a parenting workshop, you say, what a wretched parent I am. And some of you teens, few of you, few of you. <laughs> what a wretched teen I am. What a wretched child I am. I'm no good. I, I, I'm, no, I'm a bad child of my parents. Or, you know, later we got our college students rolling in and they, what a wretched college freshman I am doing so many bad things. And this is how he's saying it. This is his frustration, what he's feeling about his, his obedience to the law. And, and, and then he goes on to say, what a wretched man I am. 
who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now, he didn't ask what will rescue me. It's a who question. Who will rescue me? Not what will rescue me. Who will rescue me? But one thing that Paul acknowledges every time we sin, every time we do something that, that, that hurts God, that hurts people, guess what's really close right far behind? Death. Relationships are killed. Families are killed. It's serious. So it's not a little thing. It's not a, a rule necessarily breaking. We know we're harming people. We know we're harming ourselves. We know we're affecting the people around us. And we feel this, this subject, this body of death. But again, it's not a what question. It's a who question. And then he goes on in verse 25 and he says this. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus our Lord. So who's going to deliver us from this struggle that we have? Jesus. Now, you can read this and, and go, yeah, Jesus. You know, when you think of the, the pictures when you're a kid of Jesus, the perfectly cropped beard, brown hair, blue eyes, perfect nose, skinny nose. You know, the hair is like, it's like combed out. You know, he's just like the perfect, perfect man. And we go, yes, Jesus, the, the kind of, you know, idealistic Jesus. No, no, when Paul wrote this, understand, when he wrote this, this was about 20 years, 22 years approximately when he wrote this. It wasn't 100 years ago. It wasn't like this long time before. This was so recent. Paul sat down with Jesus' brother, James, and he said, tell me about your brother, Jesus. He sat down possibly with his other brother, Jude, who were both leaders in the church. He sat down with John. He may very well have met Mary, the mother of Jesus. Could you imagine that, to sit down with, with Jesus' mom? This wasn't somebody far away, the perfect model Jesus that we see in, in Sunday school books. No, this was somebody real. And he said, he said tell me about Jesus. Can, can you guys take me through a tour of Jerusalem? I want to see the spot. I want to see Golgotha where they crucified my Lord. I want to go to the tomb. Take me to the tomb. Show me Mary. And Martha, the women who were there at the tomb, they, they very well may have taken Paul there and said, this is where it happened, Paul. This is where we came that early Sunday morning and, and, we, and we came here and the tomb was empty. And then not only that, Jesus himself, he appeared to us. See, this wasn't something far away. This wasn't some legend. These were people, names, witnesses. This wasn't Narnia. This was Jerusalem. And then they went to the, the Mount of Olives just outside of Jerusalem and, and they said, this is where we prayed with Jesus the night before he was crucified. And this is where Jesus uttered the words, God, I don't want to go through with this, but if you'll give me strength, if you'll help me, I'll do it for you and I'll do it for the people. That's who Jesus is talking about through Jesus Christ, my Lord, our Lord. So it wasn't a mystical character. This was somebody they could identify with. This was history, not legend, real people. And, you know, you could go on forever, the people that he may have talked to who were healed. And so Paul's going to show us today the difference between following Jesus the living person, the resurrected Jesus, and living under a religious law. Which I got to say this, most Christians in our world today live like this, under a religious law. They're rule keeping. Most people. And if we're not careful, we can do that as our default. And so today, and I hope, I hope that today this can see something you hold on to for the rest of your life. If you're a guest today, I hope you can hold on to this and you can understand what Jesus intended when he came. 
for you and your life. And then in Romans chapter eight, verse three, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. See now, there was a weakness in the law. You know what the law does? The law tells us what we're doing wrong. And it's a lot. The law is like a mirror. You know, for some of the women, you know how some of you have those magnified mirrors? You know, they're, they're, they're kind of oval shaped and they show you all the defects and wrinkles and deformities, the, the, the moles that are emerging, right? And then it's got bright lights. You know, it's got the, 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 the surrounding lights before the makeup, okay? Exactly, you know exactly what you need to cover up, right? That's what the law does for us. It shows us all of our faults. You know what the law does for us? Fail, 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 fail. Bad person, bad person, bad person. Bad person, bad person, bad person. Fail, 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 fail. That's what the law does. And so if you're trying to keep the law, it's frustrating. It's like that magnified mirror that continually reminds you of your fail. But what the law was not able, powerless to do, what the law was powerless to do, guess what? God did. This is what we're going to talk about today. God did. What did God do to set us free? And, and, and you need to understand today that there's a choice. You don't have to be the person that you don't like being. And so we, we, we continue. And I'm going to bring out my... my uh, my set here, we're going to use it a little bit, but we talked about this the last few weeks, that as Paul described it in our first, first class, is that all of us, because of, because of Adam, because of Adam, and if you want to understand this, go back to part one and you'll understand, but Paul described it this way, all of us were born in Adam with the nature and the tendency to be sinful. It's just who we were and who we are. Thanks to Adam. You can thank him for that. But Jesus came to set us free from this influence that Adam has on us. And the influence of sin, not the verb sin, the noun sin. Meaning the nature that you and I have. And he came, Jesus came, so that you and I could be taken out of Adam and brought into a relationship and this, this new covenant with, with Christ to be in him. But before we understand this, we gotta, we got to be honest about ourselves. Like it says here, approaching God through the law is our default. We always go back to it. It's like a bad habit. But eventually, it leads to defeat. It's just a matter of time. And this is what Paul felt. This is what many of you feel. And you know, the truth of the matter is, this defeat can be so discouraging that people walk away from their faith. You know this. Why, why should I keep trying? Why, why should I keep trying if I'm just going to fail over and over? Why should I come to church? Why should I read my Bible if all I'm doing is failing? What's the point? Instead of trying to understand really what this means to be set free, to live in Christ and to be set free from this. So I hope that today you can make a decision to stop law keeping as a Christian because it's not a very pleasant place. Romans chapter 6 verse 14 it says for sin shall no longer be your what? Master because you are not under the law but under grace. We said this last week sin is not my master. We said it for two weeks. Jamie started it two, two, two weeks ago, and, and we started repeating it, okay, declaring it. Sin is not my master, remember? And, and I hope that that's been helpful. It's been helpful for me. Just, you know, when I feel tempted, hey, no, 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 sin, you're not my master. You don't tell me what to do, okay? I, I, I'm under a new, I'm under a new authority. I'm under a new master. You're not my master. Because you are not under what? The law. 
You're not under the law. That's what Paul's saying. He's describing for us this new way of thinking, this new way of living, that we're not under the law, the oppression, the fail, the discouragement of the law, but we're under what? Grace. We like that word, don't we? I love that word. I love grace. She's awesome. But grace does not mean this. Grace doesn't mean you keep on doing whatever you want to do and God forgives you in the end. doesn't matter. I got grace. She's with me all the time. I can, I can basically, and a lot of people in our world today practice Christianity this way, thinking that grace is a, a license to do whatever you want, be whatever you want. You just come on Sunday and you empty your sin bucket and Jesus forgives you. No, that, that's not what we're talking about. It's much bigger. And it's not just a matter of, of, of getting a, a place in heaven, although that's important. Paul's talking about something much, much, much bigger. He's talking about being set free. And so we're going to hear from Jesus. Jesus now is going to foreshadow this new mindset. Okay? He went ahead and presented it before it happened, before people were set free. So let's listen to what Jesus, the way he described it in John chapter 15, verse 5. Okay? This is Jesus speaking. And he's going to tell us about this new mindset of not living under the law, but living in grace. And in other words, living in a relationship with Jesus, with God. Jesus said it this way, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you what? Remain. Or in another version, it may say, abide. Okay? If you remain in me and I in you, what? You will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, by the way, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying here, you know, and they got this in the first century. They understood that, you know, vines and, 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 and Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. Where does the branch get the, the nutrients, the sap, the lifeblood? Where, where, you know, Jesus is the vine. We get, we get everything from him. He gives us the power and the strength. Does this describe the Ten Commandments? What's our to-do list here? Obey the Ten Commandments. Uh, obey the law. What, what's Jesus' primary focus here? Remain in me. Remain in me. It's not be a law keeper, a rule keeper, which many of us try to do. You know, he's saying, listen, if you focus on the relationship, this will happen. Now, where does fruit come from? Does it come from something external or something internal? It's, it's something that comes from within. And so Jesus is describing, and he didn't just say, you know, much fruit. He said abundant fruit. Could you imagine what it would be like to just have this life where things are just coming out of you? Like a change in the way you behave. Hey, wait, wait, wait. You know, you're not as angry as you used to be. You've changed What's, what's going on with you? Why are you so nice now? I, I don't really know. I haven't quite figured it out yet. But yes, I am changing. And you know, when, when you remain in, in, in Jesus, guess what? The temptation, it diminishes. The struggle gets less and less intense. But the emphasis is on what? Remaining. And Jesus was emphasizing not rule-keeping, but a relationship. And so then Paul comes back and he says this, and this is how he describes it. In chapter 5, verse 16, so I say, walk in the Spirit. So we're going to close it out right here, and you'll be dismissed. How about that? Walk in the Spirit? What's that? Okay, we're talking some mystical thing? What, 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 you know, candles, low lights, you know, yoga music? What, what, what are we talking about? Walk in the spirit. What he's saying here is keep in step with. And we're going we're gonna to look into this. And I would encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I would look into, I would encourage you, do a Bible study because it's throughout the New Testament. 
This isn't just one isolated verse. This is, this is throughout the New Testament, this whole new way of living, living through what? The Spirit. See, we talked about this three weeks ago. When you, when you are, 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 are given over to, to, to Jesus, when you're in Christ, when you're baptized and you get all your sins forgiven and you're in Christ, guess what God gives you inside of you? The Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, what you do with it, is up to you. Not it, him. What you do with him is up to you. He's saying, if, so I say walk by the Spirit, and then he goes on and says, so I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Meaning you're going to have a power, all of those things that are dogging you. If you will just keep in step with the Spirit, you will be able to break the chains that are holding you down. All those changes that you wanted to make, you will be able to make, but not through yourself, not through rule keeping, but by being filled with and walking in the spirit. And you'll be able to overcome the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. There's a struggle going on. There's a fight, there's a wrestling match going on within you, and you know this. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. You want to do good, but you can't. There's that struggle. And then he goes on in verse later, and, and we're going to look at this. When Christians are under the law, what are they like? Rule-keeping Christians. And you know any rule-keeping Christians? They're frustrated. Why would a Christian be frustrated? They've got, to relate, well, they've got an opportunity to be right with God. Why would they be frustrated? Because they're trying to rule-keep, and they're not doing a good job of it. Paul was, was, a, was a Pharisee. He was very frustrated. Do you know a rule-keeping Christian? You know why our, in our country... The church has such a bad reputation. The church of Jesus has such a bad reputation because most people are trying to rule keep and they're frustrated. You know what else? They're very judgmental. See, because they're struggling. I want to change. I want to be different. I want to be a good Christian. And they're not doing it. And so when they say you, Joe or Jill Pagan, doing all that crazy stuff that you like to do, see you laughing and having fun, they're frustrated. See all those sinners? God's going to take care of them. Where's the compassion? Where's the care and concern? It's choked out. And I believe if we have a church that is trying to be law keepers, this will be characteristic of us. They're always struggling and they're unhappy. They're not happy people because they're struggling. Are you a happy Christian? Are you a struggling Christian? If you are, and hey, I, I just got to say this. I've lived both. Even as a minister, I've lived both. Because it's our default mode. It's our default mode. And let me say this. It's much easier to be a law-keeping Christian. Because all you got to do is carry around the list. <laughs> try to do it. This doesn't require anything deep of you. It doesn't require much time. You come to church in a while, but this is characteristic of how you live. You're frustrated. You're, you're judgmental. You're negative. You've got an angst with people around you. You know, and it's, it's very sad. And this is why in our country, the Christianity, the church, has such a bad reputation. So we move on. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. But if you are led by what? The spirit, you are not under the law. You're set free. In other words, what Paul's saying, if you live in a relationship connected to God, Jesus, the law's not that much of an issue for you anymore. Oh yeah, it's there, it's present, it helps you, it's a guide, but it's not dogging you. It's not holding you down. Because your focus is not trying to keep Rules. Your focus is, I want to stay close to God, and he's going to help me. 
change those things. And, and I've experienced both in my life, but who is leading you in your life right now? What is leading you? You know, and, and if you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to, you're not, you're not focused on, on the law. You know, and, and like I said before, the conflict diminishes. The struggle gets weaker. And then he says this in verse 9. Now, we know this. Here's the contrast, verse 19 and 20. And then we're going to look at a contrast. Here's the contrast. The acts, of the, the acts of the flesh are what? They're obvious. When you're living in the flesh, it's obvious. Here's what's going on. Sexual immorality, that means you're having sexual relationships with, with people of the opposite sex or all over the place, you know, uh, outside of marriage. That's what that means. Impurity. You can't control yourself. Debauchery, you, you, you can't control your desires. There's idolatry, you're worshiping things. There's, there could be some witchcraft there. There's hatred is big. If you've got hate, I can tell you you're not being led by the Spirit. There, there's flesh going on in you. That there's hatred. And we know this. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. Now you say, wow, yeah, that's just the religious rule of bad things. Now let me, let me tell you in my experience, let me tell you my experience. That this isn't a, a religious rule book of sins. These things destroy people's lives. These things ruin marriages. The practice of these things ruin families. Everybody's all up in orbs. What's happening to the family of the 21st century? I can tell you what's happening. This is characterized in people's lives. It's not a religious thing. This stuff is ruining people. It's ruining families. It's ruining marriages. It's ruining friendships. And it's ruining lives. We've got to look at sin differently than rules that religion or, or the Bible talks about. These things are killing us. But this is what's characterized by living in the flesh. Now, here is the contrast. This is the good news, right? So glad we changed the frame, right? Galatians 5.22, but Paul says, wait a second, but the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit... He brings up this thing that Jesus talked about, the fruit. Have you ever gone to an orchard? And they always put the nice fruit trees in the front. You know, the ones with no fruit, they put them in the back. I say, oh, yeah, that's a fruit tree. Well, where's the fruit? It's coming. But they put the fruit trees, the ones with the apples and the, and the grapes and the tomatoes, they put all those things out front. And you see them and you go, wow, that's such nice fruit. Where did that fruit come from? Have you ever seen a vine or an apple tree? Have you ever seen one of those 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 trees just go, fruit. <laughs> Ever seen that? <laughs> fruit. There it is. Ever seen that? That's not the way it works, right? How is fruit produced? You've got to have the right conditions. There's water. There's sun. Got to have good soil, right? And where does that fruit come from? It comes from within. It comes from within. And it grows. And it's awesome. You know, and you look at it, you go, wow, you, you, you're changing. I can see something in you, around you, hanging from you that is just, it's, it's wonderful. Can I have some of that? Can you share that fruit with me? And so this is what Paul talked about. Now, now let's look at what that fruit is. Let's, let's see a description of the fruit when it's coming out of you. He goes on to say this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, or perseverance. That's what that word means. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Whoa. You mean I can control myself? Yes, if you live by the Spirit. That is a fruit. That's what gets produced. It comes out from within you. 
And look what he says here. And self-control. Against such things there is what? There's no law. There's no rules here. And that's why today's lesson is called lawless. I want to invite you, okay? I want to invite you this week to live lawlessly. That doesn't mean you're going to go out and drive 100 miles an hour on the freeway, okay? That's not what we're talking about because you will get pulled over. Okay? And we say, well, my minister said to live lawlessly, so I'm just doing what he said. Right? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying and what Paul's saying is if, if you're focused on the relationship with God and you're focused on letting him change you, this is what starts to emerge out of your life. This is the fruit that comes. You say, well, this isn't very listed. It seems a little hokey and nice. I, I work in a, in, a, in a business, and if I'm nice and loving, and pe- they'll walk all over me. It's not realistic. This is kind of, you know, nice talk, religious talk. Let me tell you something. For some of you type A people that are in the working world, you think you can't do this at work because you will get nothing done. Let me, let me tell you about the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul took the franchise of Jesus Christ and expanded it into the Asian world, throughout the Gentile world. He opened franchises everywhere. He got on boats, not ships, boats. He was whipped. He was chained. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was stoned. And how did he do it? Fruits of the Spirit. He didn't do it by imposing himself on people and threatening people. He did it this. And when you have this, there's no law. Okay, what law? All I see is my relationship and it's taken me to places I've never imagined. And then in verse 24, he goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? crucified. What happened to that old me? He's gone. He's dead. You know, I remember, uh, I remember early days because you could, the contrast is so real. The early days, my first few months as being a Christian, I went to go meet with my friends and they're like, so what did you do with our friend? Who are you? See, because I wasn't talking the same way, I wasn't, and and my whole outlook was different. And it was offensive to them, but but basically I told them, the old me is gone. I'm done with that living. I'm focused on the new me with its flesh and desires. And he goes on in verse 25. He says this, since we live by the Spirit, let us once again keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, keep up. Don't lag behind, don't run ahead, keep up. Walk side by side with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And so with all this, this whole Spirit living thing, where do I start? Where do I start? Number one, accept the new identity. If you are in Christ, if you're not in Christ, I wanna encourage you to do our core four Bible studies and get there. This week, Josh, could you stand up? Josh was baptized into Christ on Thursday. We had a picture of Josh, but it was too dark. And I didn't want to scare you. But, but he turned himself in. But, but Josh's responsibility now is, I've got to look at my new identity. I'm not the old Josh, I'm the new Josh. But a lot of us are still focused on who we were. And we haven't accepted the new identity. And so that's your first step. If you want to live in the spirit, you've got to realize that you're in Christ. You're not here, you're here. And then number two, embrace this new approach, spirit-led living. Now, what does that mean? It means what we talked about last week. God, these are my hands. 
These are my eyes. This is my mind. This is my life. Take over me. And it requires prayer. For me, and in and, and, and a very early age as a Christian, I would, take, I would go off to a park early in the morning and I would talk to God. I would say, God, I, I want to be like I just read about here about Jesus. I want to I follow him. I want to be like him. And, and over time, the changes started happening. And, and it means surrounding yourself with things that emphasize relationship. It means reading your Bible. Some of you guys, you're reading your Bibles so that you can rule keep. You, you're reading your Bible so you can understand who God is. You know, just yesterday I was reading in the Old Testament and there was, a, there was a scripture that just jumped off the page at me and it said, even in the Old Testament, what is God looking for with his people? A relationship. Even then, in the book of Joshua, it was awesome. And, and, and the focus is too, to connect with God at a different level. I can't do it in, in two or three minutes, but I want you to go and explore what that means. And if you want extra reading, go and read Romans chapter 8 because Paul talks about it a lot. But it's going to require you to get out of this two-dimensional life. And like I said, rule-keeping is much, much easier because you don't have to go to another level. You don't have to search your soul. You don't have to, to, to focus on there's a whole other level of living and existence. This is what your soul craves for. This is what you were born for. And then the last thing is refuse to be a checklist follower of Jesus. Be done with that. Because you're not going to keep that list. Focus on the relationship. That's our emphasis. How is your relationship with God today? And if you want help with that, there's people who can help you with that. But here's one of the things that I wanted to close with. This is a very sad verse in, Rome, in Luke chapter 13. As Jesus stood over the city of Jerusalem before he was going to die, he was approaching Jerusalem. And if you've ever seen the city of Jerusalem, there's a, there's a hill with a Mount of Olives where Jesus used to pray. You can overlook to see the whole city and especially the temple. And this is was his words. Luke re- recorded it. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather you as children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. What does this describe? What's Jesus interested in? Does this describe a group of people that are keeping the rules? What did he want? What's his heart's desire? And there was times where he wept over the city. He he cried over the city. He said, there's been so many attempts to reach out to you, Jerusalem. There's been so many times when we've came and we've proclaimed the message. We've talked to you. We've reached out to you. We've, We've stretched out our arms for you. I just want you under my wing so I can take care of you. So I can teach you. So I can help you. And some of you guys are looking at Christianity like it's another religion, it's another rule, and I'm going to do it this way. And then you're discontent, you go and try something else, and you try something else. Let me tell you this. God became a man, and he is passionate about a relationship with you. That's the gospel in a nutshell. God became a man, and he is passionate about a relationship with you. And so today I want to encourage you, get get rid of this rule-keeping Christianity and start focusing on what is Jesus' heart. And it says it here, and you were not willing. You don't have time. You're too busy. Busy with what? You're busy with things that are frustrating you and leaving you empty. You've got to start thinking about the priorities in your life and and stop chasing everybody else and everything else. And, and, And next week, we're going to begin a whole new series that ties right in with this. It's right here. God wants to take us in 
And he wants to care for us, direct us. He wants to bless your life, your marriage, your family, your future. He wants you to help you overcome these struggles that you've been having and take you to a whole nother level. What's our theme for this year? Anybody remember? It's right there in your newsletter. It's there every week. Be present. Be present. I want to leave you with this. Your presence is requested. Not at church, although it's nice to come. Your presence is requested with God. He wants to spend time with you. He wants a relationship with you. Now, really, all those things that you're doing, are they really that important? Is that senseless nonsense program, Duck Dynasty, is it really that important? I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not against it. Great show. They pray at the end. But it's silly stuff. You mean you can't turn off the TV, turn off the computer, turn stuff off and just go, God, I just want to spend some time with you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm lost out here. I got people pulling me this way. I got things going on. I got religion, you know, the religious struggle. I just need you. Can you come in here? Can you help me? And he will. But I would encourage you to start cultivating that soil around your life. Let the water fall on you and the fertilizer and answer his call. So let me pray for you. And that's it for free. And I hope my desire for you. My, my hope and my desire for you is that you can live life as a free follower of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Wow. It's incredible to think that you came here as a man and you humbled yourself and you stretched out your arms over a city and you cried for that city. You cried for the world. As we saw in Jesus, God, we, we, we beg you, Father, that you'll help us to respond, help this world to respond. We pray for West Covino. We pray for our cities in our community, God, that you will please help us to tell them, to show them that you just want a relationship with everybody. God, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you for persevering with us when we stumble through rule keeping. Bring us back and help us to live as a free people, like Paul taught us, not under the law, but under grace, under the Spirit's power. Thank you for everybody here. I pray for our friends here, God. I pray for those that are in the valley of decision that you please help them not to delay the relationship, not to keep you waiting, but to come home quickly. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen. God bless.